Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J, Jeff here. This is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is and whoever Luke Owen is, quote the Ravens. Nevermore. WrestleTalk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'm Mr. Davis and I'm joined by Lukewarm Luke Owen. Hello, Swap Nation, and a hello to you, Mr. Davis. How the devil are you? I'm, 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 my mind's blown. Not the, not the best episode of Dynamite, but I've kind of been thrown into, but I still very much enjoyed it, as you'll hear shortly. But I've had a bit of a, an age existential crisis. With the deathmatch stuff. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's not been—it's not exactly something that has been prevalent in wrestling for the last thirty years, I suppose. Yeah. So I'm having to explain to youngins what a deathmatch is. Not not what a death—they know what that is. What an exploding barbed wire deathmatch is. And now I feel like a jabron. Well, I actually had this moment last night while I was doing Quizzlemania because we had Melina on as uh, the guest, former women's champion, WWE women's champion and Divas champion Melina, undefeated at WrestleMania and, spoilers, <laughs> undefeated at Quizzlemania. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> We had so many hyper chats in that were talking about how she was like their first crush when they were like six years old. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, I was at university when Melina mm. was like wrestling. And it's that stark reminder then where it's like, oh, our audience is quite is a lot younger than us. And I forget that sometimes. That's why we're building young people like Louie and Pete and Brian as Tempest. Those are the those are our jungle boys and MJFs. Exactly. They have to take over. They're gonna like we can't do this forever. I don't think. Like no one needs to. I think people now are looking at us like be like, why are these old guys telling me about wrestling? Surely I want to see some young people, people my age, talk about wrestling. Surely that's that, that has got to come to an end at some point, right? I'm thinking about only doing the news around WrestleMania and Survivor Series seasons, and then taking the rest of the year off. <laughs> and I can I can just do what I want. I can go hunting. 
which is my mm. big passion. I can kill animals to provide for Sable, my wife. <laughs> if you didn't quite get the joke that Ollie Davis was making there. Um, right, let's get into the AEW show itself. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a, it, like, like Ollie said, not the world's best show, but still really good. Here it is. <laughs> Exploding barbed wire deathmatch. Like the deathmatch part needs to be in that sentence. As if exploding and barbed wire weren't enough to already give that away. I'm Mr. Davis. I'm joined by lukewarm Luke Owen. We are here to review last night's episode of AEW Dynamite because it's Thursday. You know what that means which was main evented by a really fun six-man tag. This is just like what AEW's and New Japan, to be fair, their bread and butter is now. Lots of crazy fun tag matches and six-man tags. So you make the singles matches feel more important when they do happen on pay-per-views or TV specials, like the main event of Revolution that was announced in the closing angle of this show, Mox, Lance Archer and Phoenix, Beat the family. We'll go into all the awesome stuff that Moxley did with Eddie Kingston as part of the tale behind this match. I'm so excited for that. But at the end of it, after Moxley paradigm shift hit on Kingston to win, he's there. The good brothers run down. They beat up Moxley. Kenny Omega comes down and he says, look, I've got a Valentine's Day present for you, Moxley. I know you've got an automatic rematch clause against me. You know, automatic rematch clauses are a bit overdone. We've said our pieces on that. However, there is definitely a cause for this because Omega cheated to win the title in the first place. So Omega then says, well, I want to put you away once and for all. I don't want any more Moxley after this. And I thought in my head, oh, okay, it's it's that time of the year again. Someone's going to do a stipulation where they can never challenge for a title in AEW again. We've had it with Cody and the world title. We've had it with the Bucks and the tag team titles. It's Moxley's turn. Okay. But as I was halfway through thinking that, Kenny Omega said, exploding barbed wire deathmatch unbelievable that this is what like <laughs> okay so uh, I was, resting observer radio we're, we're talking about this and apparently the rationale behind doing this match is that and it's it's a kenny omega is apparently the one that's driving them to do this mox of course wants to do this sort of thing because mox loves this sort of thing like he is a death match wrestler like he loves that style and it's a match that he's probably always wanted to do he probably watched you know funk and foley doing it and you know all the all, all that lot i've been like i want to do that one day but for omega is apparently the one that's pushing this and the reason for is because in order to be the best wrestler in the world you've got to be the best at every type of match and this is not one that, and so he wants well i want to go out there and have the best exploding barbed wire death match possible to really establish the fact that i am the best wrestler in the world so this and so that is why we're having this match and it just feels insane to get this in 2021 right this feels like such a 90s thing 
Yeah, so for I was as soon as I heard exploding barbed wire deathmatch, I was and this is this is one of the great strengths of AEW or great wrestling in general, storytelling wise, I was transported back to being a 13, 14 year old kid who had heard oh, about yeah. stuff like this. I'd read it in Mick Foley's book. Myth. It's a like yeah. yeah, you hear about it in books, you read about it, but you're like, that's not something that really happened. You know, like you hear the story about like how Mick Foley lost half of his ear, and you're like, Yeah, but it's it's a work though, isn't it? Because you wouldn't yeah. really do that, would you? <laughs> I didn't know what a work was when I was 13, <laughs> 14 years old. I was like, So are those ones the real ones? Yeah. When they go to Japan, is it is it a real match? I mean it there's barbed wire and explosives. I don't know how you can get around not taking punishment from them. Yeah. Do you remember, like, we've talked about this on the Patreon podcast before, but, like, when I was at school and, like, you were, like people were first starting to get into wrestling, the um, the argument was always, like, WWF, it's, it's fake. Like, WWF is always fake. WCW is a bit more real because, like, it's a bit more, it's more of a traditional thing. But ECW, that's real. Like, they just, they just go out there and they just fight. Like, it's not fake mm. at all. And so, yeah, well, so in I, you, I, Jack's case, they, they were onto something there. I know. So, like, when I, my first time watching ECW, I was like, oh, this is real. This is genuinely like, this is, re- they're proper hitting each other. It's not like WWF. They're proper hitting each other over there. And the most you'd ever see, well, I, of course, you'd have tape traders who would have the full matches. I remember I, this is pre YouTube days, folks. Uh, and this won't be the last time I show my age in this because this stipulation has started a bit of an existential crisis. <laughs> I've never had, I've never had a stipulation skip a generation and then come back in my lifetime. So I'm a little bit weirded out by it. But uh, I, I remember my friend Andrew Barnes, who once gave me a Super J Cup '92 oh. VHS. I was like, "What's this?" He was like, "Well, that's that's Chris Benoit and that's Eddie Guerrero." I was like, "What?" I watched it and it was just weird. It didn't look like WWF wrestling, but there was that he had recorded like on a VHS. It was like just 20 seconds of, it must've been from a video package or a trailer of something else. And it had like the explosion spot of the C4. I don't know what match it was. And I was just like, this is like, this is nuts. But to go back to the sort of stipulation this is a very bit I've, I've noticed a lot of younger viewers of this channel and fans on reddit and twitter everywhere some people are like what's that what's what's a exploding barbed wire death match and i think this is like when there is an obscure early 80s old southern wrestling stipulation that comes around that cody grew up with with his dad and i'm like cool Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've not I've not seen it before, but I trust in it. But now that's I'm the Cody in this scenario. <laughs> I'm like, no, this was a thing. This was a thing from back in the day. Like back yeah. I was back in the day, that means. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure like CTW have done some of this, right? Like surely they must have done some C4. Yeah. Like, I've not really watched a lot of, of CTW because <laughs> it was like I I was a bit um and this, this is kind of sort of showing my age a little bit. I was like, it's not, not really ECW, though, is it? It's just trying to be ECW. I was a young, <laughs> dumb fan saying that sort of thing. So I'd imagine they must have done something along these lines before. But yeah, like there is that moment when, and I, I've sort of about this just before we came on air. I had that moment last night 
doing Quizlemania with Melina when we were getting so many hyper chats in from people like, oh, Melina was my childhood crush. She was like the first woman I ever had a crush on in wrestling because I was six years old. And I was like, oh no, I was at university when Melina was wrestling. Oh dear, I'm very old. And now like with that and then this, I'm now starting to feel very much my age. So this does raise an interesting point. I am excited for the match. I think there is a lot of general buzz around this because it's an insane stipulation. And, you know, they've already had the unsanctioned match, which was one of the most violent matches ever uh, done, really. Uh, that's in what in modern said. time, yeah. In modern times. So I, I can... I, it's going to be divisive. It is a hugely controversial thing to do. Deathmatch wrestling is naturally divisive in the best of times. Um, but now, you know, when there's so much thought, rightly so, on wrestler welfare, whether they should be doing crazy bits, concussions, how injuries ravage wrestlers' bodies throughout their careers and lives. Like... When I I, re I once reviewed ECW One Night Stand with Pete, and Pete did not live through the ECW era. And the stuff I loved, because I've got some kind of nostalgic connection to people getting hit very hard in the head with chairs, that's on me. I'm not a well-adjusted person, and I would argue most Attitude Era fans aren't. He was disgusted by it, and he it took him out of the matches. It wasn't for him. Now, not he all wrestling can be for... No, not all wrestling can be for everyone. And that is one of AEW's great strengths in that they do put on a variety of different styles. But some styles can be so extreme, it can put off a section of your fan base. So from a business perspective, what do you think? So I can see this going one of two ways. In terms of like the reaction to this, it, it'll either be... So the match that instantly I thought of with this was the the electrified steel cage match that TNA did. Remember this? It was the Dudley Boys. I can't remember who they were facing off against, but it was the Dudley Boys, and it was someone. Maybe it was LAX, the original version of LAX, and it was this cage match. And anytime they touched it, like the lights would like flicker and stuff, and they played the sound of this electricity, and it was proper goofy. <laughs> like the crowd booed it, and it did not come across well. So like that was the first match that I thought of was just like, you know, there was this, it's an old ass stipulation that we're trying to bring back into a modern day, but the modern day fans sensibilities about wrestling have now changed. And they're looking at this sort of like 70s, 80s goofiness and are not impressed by it. So they're going to boo it. So that sort of thing could happen here because this may end up being because, you know, they'll have like the C4 explosions, but it's not going to be really like them landing on actual bits of C4. It's just going to be lots of stuff exploding in the barbed wire and things like that. Are modern day fans just going to look at that and be like, it's very goofy and it's um, and it's not really, I, I think it's actually a bit silly. I'd much rather just watch them have a technical wrestling match. And actually it's in that sense, it sort of backfires on them a little bit. That's interesting that you've gone down the goofy path. You know, like people won't believe it because it's too much that way. I, I'm i more concerned about just like the unsanctioned match put a lot of people off because it was too violent. Yeah, well, some people, people are just really like, didn't like that match. Yeah. Well, some people are like, I don't want to see this kind of wrestling anymore. This sort of wrestling re should remain in the past. It's unsafe. It makes me feel uncomfortable. 
Yeah, and we actually saw this again in, in TNH. Remember when Abyss and Sabu had the barbed wire rope match? Yeah. And like that's and just like Abyss now still has like all those scars because he has this like tribal like tattoo. It's a very like mid-naughty, like mid tattoo that he's got on his arm. And that tattoo was just like, you know, pure black. You look at it now, it is carved to all hell. And that is from that Sabu match. And I remember when that match happened, there were certain, there was a portion of the fans that were just like, oh yeah, this is it's ECW again. This is great. But there were people, and this is like, you know, late mid to late 2000s. So we're like, that's 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 a bit in the past. Like with that's something we should have left back then. And I really don't like to see wrestlers do this anymore. We're now like 10 plus years later from that. So yeah, so I hadn't actually even considered the idea that this might just be one step too far for some people who may not be into Moxley and Omega as it currently stands anyway. And this will actually just push them further away from getting into them as wrestlers. I must argue and point out that I'm very much into it. I'll also say from a character standpoint, from a storyline standpoint, makes total sense. You know, to go from that unsanctioned match to go to the straight in-ring wrestling match and now just Omega wants to put him away. I, you know, to me, this seems like a way to write Moxley off TV for a long time. Mm, which, you know, they he is going to be taking some time off to, you know, tend to, uh, to Renee and, and, you know, the birth of their child. Is it as a bit early for them to be? I mean, Seth was like right up until the wire, he was still within WWE. I guess it depends, you know, it's wrestler to wrestler, isn't it? It's person to person on how much time you want to take off. But you're mm. right, but this does feel like the sort of thing that could write him off TV for a fair amount of time. It should do. You know, like if he loses a barbed wire exploding death match, you should be off TV for a while. And why not lean yeah. into it if you're going to take time off anyway? Uh, by the also, we didn't actually say what a barbed wire exploding death match is because it's, it almost sounds like SEO speak. You know, where it's not, a, where it's not an actual sentence. It's just mm. keywords with no connecting words. Sort of like, you know, most, most modern pornography titles are named this way. Back in the day, it used to be all about puns. Yeah. And now it's just like, now it's it is everything, everything you need to know to make you click this title. Stepmother, big, whatever, whatever the trends are these days. I don't know. Ollie has never, you've, I mean, you've never watched porn in your life, have you? It's not, what is a porn? What is a porn? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure either. They replace the ropes. That's, this is the match, not what pornography is. They replace the ropes with barbed wire. So that sucks if you take an Irish whip into them. And the corners have sort of two by long wooden boards on them also wrapped in barbed wire with C4 explosives on. Now, I read an interview, uh, I've read this before, but I read it again today, where Mick Foley as Cactus Jack and Terry Funk had a very famous match of these. I think FMW, was it? FMW, uh, yeah. We've, yeah actually the, got the, the, we've actually got the DVD of it in our office. We do, yes. We did. It was sent to us by a fan. Mm. But the during rehearsal... They had four C4 bits, you know, so you can sort of like someone can time the explosion. So someone goes into it, someone presses a button, kaboom. Um, Terry Funk thought four didn't look spectacular enough. So they they put six. <laughs> they put six on there. And it's just like, it's just a flash of bright light. That's what it is. So when you get thrown into it, so it's quite tense. You know, you don't want to be whipped into the ropes. You don't want to be whipped into the corners. It's a lot of centralized stuff. It's a stipulation that if it was done last year this time, you know, through to about July, 
I'd have been like, oh, okay, cool. It's going to be a cinematic match. Mm, yeah. But now that I believe, I just assume they're going to do it as a shoot. Not. Well, you know. think, yeah, no, I would think so as well. I feel like cinematic matches are now, they almost feel passe now. If you did mm. one, because now you've got like the Thunderdome and you've got like, with the AEW, they've got fans in attendance. To do a cinematic match now would almost feel like it's not the right course. So, yeah, I totally think this is just going to be a, a regular match. Well, not a regular, but, you know, a match in front of fans, not, not pre-taped. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey everyone, it's Luke Owen here from the WrestleTalk podcast, just letting you know that the video versions of the WrestleTalk podcast is now on a new and exclusive home. If you've been watching the WrestleTalk podcast video version uh, for the last four years, you'll have known it was on WrestleTalk, but because of YouTube algorithms and uploads and blah de blah views etc etc we've been instructed by some very very smart intelligent algorithm boffins that our uploads are kind of like they're butchering some of the plays so what we've done is we've now moved the WrestleTalk podcast off of WrestleTalk and are putting it on an exclusive YouTube home WrestleTalk podcast nothing else is changing you're still going to get your pay-per-view reviews Raw AEW Smackdown the magazine show with myself and Denise if you do watch the video version of these podcasts by the time Elimination Chamber rolls around, it will only be available to find on the WrestleTalk podcast channel. Don't go to WrestleTalk, you'll only find the WrestleTalk news there. WrestleTalk podcast channel. But if you just search WrestleTalk podcast, you should still be able to find it. That's all from me. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the show. 
Let's see what you guys think on the Omega chats. Remember, get your Omega chats into wrestletalk.com forward slash support. We'll read out every single one of them before the end of the show. Uh, Leon, I'm question. Very curious. I'm very curious to see this because I've been like checking out the chats. Some people in the chat are dead against this match. Mm. Like and almost like using it so to say like this exposes Moxley as not a good wrestler because he needs to have these gimmicks around him in order to have matches. Interesting. I mean, I d- I will not take away anyone. Like I can totally understand why you wouldn't be into this style of match. I don't think if someone has a preference for this style of wrestling, this is Moxley's style. Doesn't mean mm. he can't wrestle. Um. I don't think that proves anything of Moxley's wrestling ability. But if you don't I, like that I, style, I totally agree. I, I mean, because I mean, obviously Moxley has a load of amazing matches, like just straight, like the one with Kingston at, um, at Full Gear last year is a testament to how great that he is. I think he just really likes having these matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why not when you've got a pregnant wife at home and a baby <laughs> on the way? <laughs> Leon Quashy. We thought the Forbidden Door was open to New Japan, but instead it was to Deathmatch Icons, FMW and IWA instead. Is this why Luther is so prominent these weeks? <laughs> AEW seems to do their hardcore matches well, so I'm looking forward to it. That's a good point, actually. They have done their hardcore. Like, I, you know, I know a lot of people didn't like the unsanctioned match at last year's, um, uh, was it Revolution last year? Full Gear 2019. 2019. 2019 bloody hell it feels so long ago now but i know some people and we actually the title of that was like did AEW go too far and we actually split the audience on that because there were a load of people that said yes and a lot of people that said no you pussies they didn't go far enough so (laughs) Um, kevin kevin next week we'll have a segment where kenny is in the bathroom and alex marvez will come out of nowhere and say sorry kenny but i have a question about moxley marvez and kenny's interactions are really funny I like the one at the school this week. I thought that was really good. Yeah. So Marv, the idea is Marvez just shows up anywhere to interview Kenny, <laughs> like this hanger on. Uh, Mika Pellegrini. So Mox and Omega's unsanctioned match got AEW in some hot water with the Maryland Athletic Commission. Uh, they were ultimately fined $10,000. That's true, by the way, folks. Does this mean Florida is okay with this level of brutality and violence? Is this Kenny trying to redeem his loss? I think it probably is going. I mean, I would, pr- I'd put some hard money on the bit. Kenny is retaining here because I don't think it's the time to put the title back on. To- it's certainly not the time to take the belt off of Kenny, and it's not the time to put the belt back onto Moxley. So, uh, yeah, I think this is, yeah, it's probably Kenny getting that, get- getting that win back uh, in a way. Yeah, and what a great way to do it on on Moxley's home turf. But this is, you know, if they do lean into Omega's history and DDT. Like he's yeah. he's got his own crazy back backstory to to exploit as well. Uh, and in as terms of Florida, Jay points out it's Florida. Of course, they're okay with it. <laughs> oh, you want you want exploding barbed wire? Just yeah, oh, sure. We've got yeah, some yeah, of that. <laughs> Nate S. An exploding barbed wire death match for the AEW title. Well, stuff my hole. Get it over, Nate. Well done. Mitchell Johnson. Good day, gents. Love the feud between Moxley and Omega. I'm pumped for revolution. However, I do have concern that a match so violent could diminish the value of later blood feud violent payoffs to storylines. What do you all think? Jam that jam. That's in, that's an interesting point, yeah, because if you've got something that is just like, you know, oh my god, this is a proper blood feud, and they don't have this sort of match, are some people being like, well, why didn't they have another one of those matches again? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I do, I'm not concerned about that. Uh, I think the two year long feud between Moxie and Omega, 
has kind of earned mm -hmm. something yeah. of this level. Uh, Mitchell Johnson again. Hey, lads, super excited for this match. However, I am concerned. Oh, that's the same super chat or Omega chat. You put it in twice, but thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm yeah, yeah, it's the same stuff. Uh, D247, did you hear JR call it the WWE Championship before the Kenny segment? I actually didn't hear it at all. It was only until um, I saw everyone talking about it online. Um, my favorite reaction to this, though, apart from Drew's, was Jack the Jobber, who said, in fairness to JR, I kept saying I'm Jack from what culture for the first six months after leaving and doing cultaholic videos. Just a slip of the tongue. You know, JR retweeted me and like, heat the moment, heat the match. I just, I just slip of the tongue. Well, it wasn't the heat of the match, was it? He was doing a transition <laughs> segment to a backstage clip. But it is, but you know, JR makes a lot of mistakes, but he's a legend. Uh, we love him. Go through the dynamite play by play. Opened with Hangman Page and Matt Hardy tagging together take on hybrid two really fun opener hybrid two are just incredible to watch but matt hardy kept sort of tagging himself in to get the win there was a bit of miscommunication but in the end matt hardy got the win off of hangman page's buckshot lariat and after that we get the follow-up angle for the contract signing the previous week where matt hardy's gloating and he's like aha well you signed that contract that means I'm going to get 30% of all of your earnings for Q1, which is quite a yeah. fun uh, financial figures phrase to use. Not, not for the year so far, specifically Q1. And Q1. Hangman Page, the brilliant thing about this is that we are all in it with Hangman Page together. It's not a case of, our oh, Page is the dumbass baby face. He's been tricked by Matt Hardy. We all know that he's already tricked hardy himself so we're we're enjoying hardy make more of a heel buffoon of himself so page just then says well i think you might want to read that contract again turns out it's for a match at revolution where if page wins he gets all of matt's money from this year yeah but and then matt's being the you know the smart business heel uh, adds in the stipulation because he knows that uh, Paige is a man of honor and will accept this, that if um, if Matt wins, then it's the same thing. Like he does get to keep 100% of, of Paige's earnings for Q1. Adds a nice little bit of stipulation to this. What I actually really liked about this was the misdirector of it all because Paige says like, oh, you may want to have a look at that. Um, I've, got, I've got a lawyer that I'm just going to bring out here. And it's this, it's a guy in a, a in a mascot costume, which I'm going to assume is the mascot for the Jaguars, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he comes down to the ring, they hand over the contracts, so the, the page can kind of like, you know, baby face being like, ha ha ha, I got you. But I don't know how they managed, like, you know, Matt's, uh, you know, it was, it was Isaiah Cassidy, most likely. He was underneath the mascot suit this entire time to beat up Paige. And then <laughs> Matt just grabs the microphone and just goes... I'll pay you guys 700 bucks to kick the crap out of Man and Page. And TH2 are like, okay. So they dive into the ring and beat them up as well before um, Dark Order come down to make the save. I didn't... I mean, it was a fun bit in the moment when Isaiah, Isaiah Cassidy reveals himself as the mascot. But at the same time, I'm like, but what? But yeah, it, it's why didn't he give Matt Hardy a, a heads up? And, and as soon as you put it under the microscope, you're like, no, that actually that doesn't work at all, does it? That doesn't make any sense, but it was cool. 
sometimes when stuff's so cool, you you forgive it quite. Oh, a apparently, lot. it was three thousand seven hundred dollars. It was more than just seven hundred dollars. But what you know, like the, the great match, great reveal, very good babyface booking, very good like booking of a heel as well, making Matt mm-hmm. a threat, and and like the the idea, the stakes. They've made me genuinely interested in a Hangman Page versus Matt Hardy match at a pay per view. Yeah, I, and which I, I you said this in your review on paper, I probably wouldn't have been like hugely into, but the stakes added to it. Kind of like we were talking about with the um, Kofi Miz match from Raw, that if that was just a straight one on one match, probably wouldn't have been that into it. But the stakes of Kofi going into the Chamber match, or you know John Morrison going in, really made got me invested in that match, and I think the same thing will happen here. And I'm just so into Page and the Dark Order storyline. Like the interaction last week where the, the the awkward meeting in the hallway was so like heartbreaking. But then this moment here where the Dark Order came down for the save. And, you know, like Hangman Page even said, like, a good friend once told me about having rolled up papers in your jacket pocket. Like, you know, lovely, lovely stuff like this. And him just standing across the ring, looking at the Dark Order, these beautiful goofballs, and just being like, Okay. And this is surely this has got to be building to him fully joining the Dark Order now, which is just going to be so nice. Yeah, you even had negative one directing the beat down. Colt yeah. Cabana hitting someone with a shoe. <laughs> throws a throws shoe. A shoe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I that shot, you know, I've always wanted Paige to team up with Dark Order and eventually go against the super elite. Um I thought I wanted it to happen a month ago, but AEW told this story brilliantly. They're making me want it even more. When I saw them all standing in the ring together like that, I really got that sense of, yeah, it's a goofball reject. You're down on your luck. You join the Dark Order. And I I like that, so that is a classic tale. It's like dodgeball, right? <laughs> They're going to rise up through the ranks of <laughs> AEW to take on the douchebag jocks. Kenny Omega, yeah. the Good Brothers, Don Callis. Ah, I'm so in for it. I'm really, yeah. I really, really am in for it. Uh, after that, we got a promo from Santana and, Ort- and Ortiz. They're great. They're with the rest of the inner circle. And MJF called Sammy an idiot here, but uh, and sort of proved what I said last week that the recording of Sammy was actually more of a ruse, not the actual plan. Yeah, you're uh, totally right. And Chris said that this this is MJF's fault. So there's still some tension there between Jericho and MJF. But what I loved about this character-wise, that the most unforgivable thing you can do, actually, to Jericho is is turn your back on Jericho. Yeah, because that yeah, the name Sammy Guevara is now dead to me. I don't want to ever hear that man's name said to me again. Which would be, you know, it'll be I think that almost adds a lot more stakes to Sammy coming back. Mm-hmm. for that and like that eventual showdown that he ha- does have with Jericho and actually you know it makes me want them to see them reconcile even more like Jericho's so mad at Sammy for all the wrong reasons it makes me want to see them yeah reunite and, and feel so good after that we got Serena Deeb versus Rio a pretty massive first round match for the women's eliminator tournament you've got the NWA women's champion Deeb going against former AEW champion and returning Rio. Uh, it was so good to see her back. Like I, I knew I missed her, but she is so, so good. And they had match of the night for me. Easily. 
easily match of the night. This match was banging. This match was so, so great. It was probably like Rio's best match in AEW. It's certainly Serena Deeb's best match in, in AEW. These two went out there and absolutely killed it. I, I Yeah, I absolutely loved this match. Really, really great stuff. Yeah, I'd definitely say it's Deeb's best match. I, I think Rio's done better matches, but that's not to, to do this match down. And it sets up a just mouth-watering semi-final of Thunder Rosa versus Rio. So you've got Thunder Rosa. Her whole gimmick is, ah, I'm not going to really sell for you. You've got Rio's gimmick, which is, ah, I'm going to sell for you all the time. Like, sure, that's that's the perfect match. Yeah, I think it's going to be really, really good. They also showed like some uh, some brief like highlights from the uh, the women's eliminator tournaments that happened over in Japan that we got on Monday. I haven't actually watched the the full show yet, but I did watch the Maki Ito match, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, I think the, the I think my only sort of disappointment I would say about the uh, the women's eliminator tournament from the Japanese side of things is that I would say probably the most predictable people uh, won their first round match in advance. And it's the people who previously worked with AEW. So it is like Emi Sakura and it's Yuka Zakazaki and it's Ryo Mizunami and Aja Kong. You're like, okay, yes, that, that actually makes way more sense. When actually you kind of look at the, the social media interaction based around the match and everyone was much more into Maki Ito and, and Benny and things like that. So it's kind of a shame that they weren't the people to advance in all of this. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, no, that does make sense though. It makes sense why they didn't go through. I said my bit on the news, but... My big problem with the women's eliminates tournament is how craply it's filmed. Like it is, it is so bad. The audio is terrible. I don't, think, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's that bad. Like it's filmed in like a very, it is very echoey in there. It feels very like early doors, like WWE pandemic style of things when they didn't, they weren't quite sure what to do. Nowhere you know, like, near. Dude, that had you, production. Do you, remember, you remember WrestleMania when it was so. Yeah so quiet it was so eerie it was quite an eerie but at least they had a set not a, an <laughs> aw and a wrinkled aew banner hung up in the background yeah, think, on I a rubbish wall in a gym no it, it's it's i was actually quite annoyed by it because i convinced my lady partner to watch that with the promise of it's japanese you know she likes japanese culture and stuff it's japanese wrestling there's a former j-pop idol on it in maki ito let's watch this the first thing she said when it started was, oh, it's one of those promotions. I was like, it no, was no, it's, a, it's AEW. And she's like, oh, I'm not really into this. Now. She was immediately out of it. And, you know, that's, that's going to be a lot of people. So if you're just making something for a limited audience of people who are sort of already going to watch very poorly produced wrestling content, then, well, great, great. But if you actually wanted to expand this out to people, which I was really hoping for, I, I, it's it's a it's a massive failure. I think this was always intended to just appeal to that audience. Like I don't think this was ever intended to bring in a new audience to AEW. This was because like, if it was, it wouldn't be on their YouTube channel. It would be on TV. They would have made much more of an effort on it. I think this was always designed for the you know <laughs> the three hundred thousand people that watched on YouTube. That is what that show is for actually i think it's a real shame that like two of the matches from the the uh the u.s side of things are also happening on the the youtube show which is what they announced mm. like it's not um so the uh tyre conti versus i can't remember who it is now it's tyre conti nyla rose is she nyla rose yeah and it's anna J versus Britt baker those are both on the youtube channel and it's yeah. just like it's 
I, I just feel like sometimes it, do, it doesn't add prestige to this tournament. And what sucks about this and what kind of frustrates me the most about this is this match was so good. And if you and like you know the Makiito match was really really good. Like if you're gonna get, if you can get past the production values, it was a really really great match. And I think they like some real like push of this would have massively elevated the AEW women's division. But by you pointing out the production values and then putting two of the American side of things onto the YouTube channel as well, I think it really kind of actually diminishes somewhat mm. the the prestigiousness of the tournament. Which is a shame because like, it, it kind of takes away from how great this match was. It's so, AW's booking of their women's division is so much better than what it was six months ago. Easily. I'm not losing sight of that, but I think this you you had an opportunity to really go above and beyond there. And as we've said, it, it feels like a massive missed opportunity, really. Uh one one shining light from that though, apart from you know the the Japanese wrestlers themselves was Excalibur's commentary. Like he was otherworldly good. A single commentator on a very badly produced filming segment. And like Jay at the start of this match with Deban Rio, JR put over how good Excalibur was. And it was it was so genuine and nice. And Excalibur was like, coming from you, that, that genuinely means so much. So I, I was like, oh. Do you think um do you think Rio's gonna win the whole thing? Rio versus Sheeda, yeah, that could that could work. Oh, I do like Thunder Rosa. I can't see anyone winning from the Japanese side, to be honest. I, I maybe can't Sakazaki. Now. Yeah, maybe you could Sakazaki or like okay, they've already done. Uh, I mean, Emi Sakura had her show when they were at Riho on top, and I think like you know, if, it depends on how much Kenny's pushing this, I guess you know to push the time that he really likes. But I, yeah, I, I kind of like Riho is the person at the moment that. Is that because she's the returning former champion within this? I feel like this might be her tournament to win. Uh, you know, but I'm I think it's her or Britt Baker. Yeah, I was going to say Britt. Britt's probably the actual best choice in terms of a heel champion who can really yuck 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 it up at the top of the division. Or um, Britt, but yeah, Britt, lose, Britt losing and then saying it's a conspiracy. She's <laughs> been conspired against. And that's why she didn't win. But very good for Deeb and Rio match of the night. Mm -hmm. We got a vignette of Shaq training Jade Cargill how to play basketball. This was weird. I'm sure it will benefit them in the wrestling match. Like <laughs> a wrestling, if you can dunk a basket, you can do a wrestle. Like that's if you the can dodge a wrench. <laughs> that's the tactic he's going Two for. Two dodgeball. Two dodgeball references today. Oh, um, you love to see it. Shaq's face. He'd like, you know, he did this. And it was... It, it, I didn't do what I think it was supposed to do, this video package. I have not bought into this Jade Cargill-Shack <laughs> relationship one iota since it, since it started. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's for the mainstream. You just want to get Shaq on on the on the wrestling, get exactly. people to watch. This, this won't be on the weird YouTube build. channel. This will be on the Dynamite show. This is a classic weird Cody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cody's got the great stuff, like just the, the most incredible blood feud story, emotional moments you can have. But he's also got his weird side. Yeah. I feel like this is on that bit. Uh, we got a squash match for Orange Cassidy after that, taking on Luther. Um, you know, just sort of 
pal pal bombed him off the apron was it uh yeah pal bomb luther off the yeah. apron superman punch to win yeah there's some stuff with trent and sir pentago yeah it was a bit of decent stuff i liked this in that it felt like a new direction for orange cassidy Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I feel like he's done. No- I know he has done something with the Miro feud, but it feels like he has done nothing since Jericho. Well, yeah, and and we said this when they were doing the Jericho Cassidy feud, especially because you know Cassidy won that feud, but really it felt like Jericho was the one that came out of this with the storylines, and mm-hmm. Cassidy just went to doing absolutely nothing out the back of it. Had a couple of TNT title matches, and that was it. But I must say, after two months of us saying we've had the same segment over and over again. Team Taz and Sting did something different. There are a few men down because of uh, travel issues and the crazy weather the United States is having, but Taz, Brian Cage, and Hook were all out there. Sting came out to challenge them uh, with his bat, but then he threw the bat to one side. You heard that right, people. Team Taz came out for a promo and Sting interrupted. It's opposite day. (laughs) Cool, cool moment when Sting threw the bat aside because he's like, oh, he's too manly to have to use a weapon. Started throwing punches on Brian Cage. I thought, okay, right, yeah. So he's he's not going to take a bump, maybe, but he'll be gently put to the. Oh my God, Brian Cage is power bombing him! I know, and you're like, <laughs> you basically want to say, oh, by the way, I can take bumps again. So you do it through a Brian Cage power bomb, <laughs> like. You're talking about making a statement. Apparently, I actually got a tweet from someone who was there um, at the tapings last night and said that the crowd went uncomfortably silent when Sting took the bump. Like there was like a collective, like it was like a collective <gasps> moment when everyone was like, "Oh God!" Because I think we like they probably all had those flashbacks to 2015, and yeah. yeah, apparently it was like super uncomfortable. Which I guess is kind of you know it's what they were going for was to make you you know sympathize with Sting. But yeah, like I was not expecting when Sting came out for this segment to take a power bomb from Brian Cage. But you know what? It's actually got me more hyped for the Revolution Tag Match because it makes me now think it's not going to be as smoke and mirrors as we thought. Pre- mm. I mean, it still will be because there'll be loads of crowd brawling. I've seen Sting have wrestling matches <laughs> post 1999, so there'll be loads of crowd brawling and stuff. But it has actually got me way more excited for the match than uh, than I was previously. Yeah, most likely not a cinematic match either. Then mm. I yeah. I thought this was much needed. Uh, it was different. Um, but I, by the end of the episode, I had forgotten it happened until I went back through my notes. And I feel like that's... Sting taking his first bump like that should should have been a much bigger deal. I get that you want to make Sting seem like a superhero, but I do think at the same time, the cat's out the bag with how old he is. So... Sting got up about a minute afterwards and there was a great shot of the bat in the foreground and him in the background sort of reaching towards it. I think play up the injury more. Like play this up as like, oh my God, Brian Cage shouldn't have done that. Maybe Taz is like, what, you shouldn't have, you know, gone that far, save it for the match. Get medical personnel down. Yeah, maybe. I think you could have done Like, I think just not having Sting on TV every single week probably really would have helped this because... I, and I would have think now, um, I think now because we, I mean, us in particular have said this, the Sting thing has become a bit of a joke. Like it's become a bit of a meme that Sting cuts a promo, Team Taz interrupts. You know, we've had it for like two months now that the all I could think of was like, huh, they just did it the other way around this time. I, I think if you hadn't have had Sting on TV every single week, 
it might have felt like a bigger yeah. deal. Um, after that, we got Jake. So from that, we got this amazing Eddie Kingston promo where he's oh, there with so the families hyping the main event, but he just says that he can't get rid of Moxley in his mind. He's tried pills. He's tried women. But the only thing that will get rid of him is beating him. Kingston's promos, dude. So, so great. I actually love, like, you know, they, they, they made the point that this was a match that Kingston demanded because he's got issues with all three of them. Lance Archer's like, yeah, you beat me in a Lumberjack match, but I, and I don't forget that. Phoenix, I didn't want you in the group. I wanted your brother, but you made him turn on me. And then the Moxley thing as well. Just really, really great stuff to hype up the main events. And yeah, we'll come back to what that could mean for him and Moxley a bit later. JR introduced Kenny as the WWE champion. And then it went into this really, really good skit from earlier in the day. Kenny is at a school and he's reading a story to a group of school children. They're on the, you know, they're, they're on the ground. It's kind of like that old, you know, the George Bush thing when he's told about 9-11. It's that sort of thing. And he's like, yeah, I've got time to tell a story. And it's the Young Bucks' autobiography. And he chooses not a section about how good the Young Bucks are, about how good he drastically improved the business with his match against Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom. And he says, drastically, kids, does anyone know what that means? Like, no. It's like, it means a lot, like a lot, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love because, you know, he was like, uh, does anyone know who the Young Bucks are and all this sort of stuff? And then like, someone said, do they love each other? And it's like, I mean, look at the, look at the photo. Because, like, the joke of the photo is that it looks like they're looking at each other's dicks. <laughs> but, you know, they're brothers, so they've got brotherly love. <laughs> uh, we also have Marvez at the start trying to interview Kenny. And Don's like, what the hell are you doing, man? This isn't the time that he's in a school. So that was funny, too. And at the end of it, Kenny walks over to, I guess, maybe a new character as part of his act. It was this woman. I haven't seen her before. I and she was, was a teacher. <clears throat> but she spoke as though she was directing PR. Oh, that's interesting. I thought she was just the teacher who was just, you know, very happy that he he came to the school to talk to the kids. Yeah, I, I thought that as well. But then he spoke to her and she was like, yeah, this will be great. That'll play great with PR. Um, oh, and then okay. and then Michael, that. then like the kids wanted to play with Omega, but Omega was like, oh, I haven't got time. So Michael Nakazawa played with them and they all beat him up. And it was like, oh, we need to get out of here quickly because this is not a good PR look. <laughs> Very, I, I like I like Michael Nakazawa being the, the the whipping boy. Like this is a perfect role for for Nakazawa. Um, we'll, we'll have to pick up the pace a bit because you know we've still got two matches and forty four minutes in. Got three matches, yeah. Yeah, uh, the Bucks versus in a set. Well, the Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. They had a really good match. You know, like really good. It was a great matches all through the night. Um, in a circle were out there, but they were sent to the back when MJF tried to interfere right at the start, got spotted by the referee. So that's another wedge that MJF is sort of driving between them all. The Young Bucks' parents, their mum and dad were at ringside. And it just, uh, it was a, I liked that the inner circle weren't out there because it really focused on how amazing Santana and Ortiz are. The fact that this is their first shot at the tag team titles, I just, yeah. Uh, Dude, I think it shows how stacked AEW's uh, tag team division is and how restrained their tag team division is that this is only the third match between Santana Ortiz and the Young Bucks since Dynamite started. I feel that's incredibly restrained. Yeah, it had me thinking SCU shouldn't have been the first tag champs. Oh, I know. We said that from kind of like the very... I mean, I, did, I, did we say it? 
you said that it should have been Pentagon, and I said I'm happy that it's SCU because I really like SCU. But I think we can. You know, I think with I was going to say, with the power of hindsight, I would certainly say that I now agree with you. At the time, I thought it was the right call, but I think you were right from the very get go. It shouldn't have been SCU. Always Pentagon. Pentagon should win everything. Uh, but it was a great match. There were a few great spots. I love Santana getting out of the way of the BTE trigger, and they both clock me's. But ultimately, cool. yeah, ultimately they took out Matt by powerbombing him over the barricade. Ortiz goes to get back in the ring. They've isolated Nick Jackson. He gets a little bit cocky. Chance the best, and he gets in and he gets rolled up. Yeah, I really loved the street sweeper near fall. Like, it was so close. What an amazing near fall that was. This was a great match, as you would expect from these two. Really, really great match. And I really, really liked the post-match angle because the inner circle are immediately out there. This is actually a really smart way to build the Bucks versus Jericho and MJF at Revolution. So they're out there. They're beating them down. Jericho's got the walls of Jericho on. MJF's got the salt of the earth arm bar. So there's like a dual submission spot. The Jacksons are looking right at each other. And it cuts backstage to Kenny, the Good Brothers, and Don Callis, the invisible hand job. And you'd seen them earlier. And Kenny was watching the screen at the the most peripheral angle. Yeah, he's so good. A fun little. I, you know, what I know. People are like, I wish AEW wouldn't take so many digs at, at WWE, but I will never not laugh at that people doing <laughs> that way of watching. I will always think that's funny. I, and I know he's just trying to pop Xavier Woods. That's all he's doing. <laughs> um, but they're they're backstage, and Kenny's like, we should go out there and help them. They're getting beaten down, and they're like making such a big play of not going down to hell. Yeah, and then Callis the, eventually sends the Good Brothers there. To the extent where Brandon Cutler runs out before them. Really nice touch, by the way, to really get over how the Good Brothers are not running down. Uh, but Hager destroys him. That's, that's set up a match for next week. And the Good Brothers eventually come down, make the save, pretend like they're heroes. And Jericho gets pushed over by uh, the young Buck's dad, the old Buck. One of the the things I really liked in this was that that double <coughs> submission spot, the the lion tamer sort of the earth thing, is that the bucks were tapping out, and the commentators were really putting over the bucks are tapping out, like you can see them they're tapping out there, which is, I think will then will likely get that spot in mm. their match of the double submission, and them doing like yeah exactly the FTR DIY thing of just like don't tap, don't tap, and grabbing each other's hands and stuff, which you, like like people mocking the way the WWE film backstage segments. I will always pop for it. <laughs> so that was that was really, really good storytelling overall. Um, I know we were down on Ortiz and Santana getting a shot when they had the official inner circle tag match thing. Um, but this that, now that's out the way. This was really, really good stuff from wrestling to storyline to characters, furthered multiple uh, storylines. I After also really that, enjoyed we... Jake Hager when they got ejected, freaking out, like grabbing the money off the floor and going, <laughs> uh, And in the in the interview beforehand, Jericho said, now let's go win some championships. And Hager went, championships. championships. <laughs> uh, then we got a tag. Well, first off, we got Cody and a very pregnant Brandy coming out. And they just went, it's a girl. Very nice. Very lovely. It was a gender reveal party where nobody died. So a thumbs up from me. You sound like Brick from Anchorman. 
Have you seen like people like genuinely keep dying whenever they do these big gender reveal things? So if anyone does a gender reveal where no one dies, it's a massive win. I that's how I live my life. As long as no one dies that day, I think that's yeah, been a good day. It's been a good um, day, mate. I'm watching so much ER at the moment. I'm also thinking that I go, well, no one went to hospital, so good day for me, I guess. What a time to start <laughs> rewatching ER. You. Day, self-flagellating maniac um, okay yeah it's good though isn't it what did you think it meant you think it meant <laughs> self-fellatioing I, no, I thought you meant like i was putting myself over because no. like I'm... flagellation where you whip mm -hmm. your own back for religious penance um so i like uh, tony shivani came across like he that was news to him as well yeah it's nice to hear like it's very so nice Mm. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, he was on commentary for a match between FTR and the Seidels, Matt yeah. and Mike. God, Mike proper. They, they, those brothers proper look alike. Like when they kept showing the match graphic, the match graphic, I kept getting them confused. And I was like, "Wow, Matt Seidel looks a bit." Oh, that's because it's the other one. <laughs> Mike. So, so yeah, uh, and I actually quite enjoyed them as a tag team in this, working with FTR. Some really nice like near falls and stuff, and you know. I, uh, this was a, a really, really fun match. It was there to kind of like put over FTR, but also set up the return of um, Jurassic Express and, and Luchasaurus in particular with his new mask, um, which is basically his old mask. But this one has the horns on it again. And um, but yeah, like it was it was a, a fun little angle, really, to, to, to cap it all off. Yeah. Cash Wheeler scares me because the Seidels can do high flying stuff. But when Cash Wheeler can sprint across a ring, jump up onto the second turnbuckle and German suplex you, that's like, my brain's like, no, but you shouldn't be able to do I that. Have, I haven't been able to look at him the same way since he did the Springboard 450 against the Young Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> he lost it. He lost that for them. Damn it, Cash. Uh, anyway, big rig to win for FDR. Really good match, of course it's going to be. And yeah, the, the lights cut out as they're about to cut off Mike Seidel's hair and a little little skit plays where Luchasaurus is in the background. There's the mask with the horns cut off in the foreground. Lights come back up. It's not Sting. It's Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy. And yeah, Luchasaurus has his old mask on. I was a bit underwhelmed. And I think the crowd yeah. were too. Yeah, the crowd didn't pop for this. Like, you, would you think they would? Like, they did the jungle. They did like the, the the Jungle Boy, you know, song afterwards. But like, it wasn't quite the pop that I was expecting this to be, or like you would have expected this to be. But it was a nice little segment. To be honest, the thing that really popped me the most in all of this is a Tully Blanchard is having a match. Like, they're doing a six man FTR and Tully Blanchard versus Jurassic Express. That's one thing. B they announced a, a six man ladder match for AEW Revolution, and Cody's in it, Scorpio Sky's in it, and Pentagon Junior's in it. Who else can they announce for this six-man thing? I'm well excited for that match. Yeah, I screwed up in my review. I said that it was a three-way. I, I, yeah, I just missed that it was a six-person and they'd only yeah, announced three of the competitors. Uh, very excited for that, of course. And uh, with Tully, I just like, that's Grand frickin' Torino right there. <laughs> Tully's, <laughs> Tully's going to teach some left-wing kids a lesson, isn't he? <laughs> going to get out the belt. <laughs> Particularly with Marco Stunt. Oh, he's going to destroy Marco Stunt. I cannot wait to see it. 
Uh, then we got the Moxley's promo to answer Kingston from earlier in the night. He put over the New Japan Strong match against Kenta that's coming up, and he also said that he still, you know, he still wants to be Kingston's friend. Yeah, and I we you mentioned this in your review, and I love the idea of them coming together. Like almost, it's it's Moxley kind of like tearing him, not tearing him away from his own family. It's bringing him into a different family, you know, maybe separating him away from Butcher and Blades. And yeah, I just, I love the idea of Moxley and Kingston being a team together. I think that'd be so, so great. Fantasy booking, Moxley loses, is off for like six months after losing, you know, kid and everything, or a long time. In that time, Eddie Kingston, you know, he's he decides to go it alone on a singles path and he's just like, everyone's beating him or well, not beating him, but cheating to beat him. And like, there's a beat down and who should run down six months but John Moxley to save him. Pick each other both up. Embrace. Mmm. Mm, sweetness. And um, But the main event, which we've covered the uh, angle afterwards, but we'll briefly run through the match because it was so much fun. Six man of Kingston, Butcher and Blade versus Lance Archer, Ray Phoenix and Moxley. Yeah, really great. Like my first note here is just like, oh, Ray Phoenix is one of the best to do this ever. Like his hot tag is incredible. The man just moves at 2,000 miles an hour and never puts a foot wrong. He is insanely good. And can you can you hear that, by the way? I can a little bit, yeah. A helicopter goes over my house every day at this time, and it makes the window frames rattle. How low is it flying? I don't, I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, I'm scared of helicopters. We were talking about some Quizlemania last night. ER made me scared of helicopters. Mm. Uh, yeah, Ray Phoenix is amazing. Lance Archer is amazing. I loved how they all went, came through, came out as Mox's gang. Yeah. Uh, but Phoenix has got the charisma too. That's, I always thought, oh, he's just the high spots guy. Pentagon's the charisma guy. Uh uh-uh. uh. Phoenix is just as charismatic. I love him. His mask was awesome as well. He had a new yeah. mask on, like a big dragon thing. Uh, but yeah, really good, really fun spots. And there's a quadruple down. And Moxley is on the corner and so's Kingston. And they are both just like staring at each other like, are we going to fight? And oh, they're just waiting for me the that tag. Oh my God, this is easily my favorite moment of the match. Like, it was shot so brilliantly as well. Like a camera focused on Moxley is just staring across. In fact, camera focuses on King- Kingston doing the exact same thing. They get and they just instantly go in for it. Head to head, nose to nose. And then just start beating the hell out of each other. And John Moxley getting ready for New Japan by no selling Kingston's finish so he can hit the paradigm shift. Loved that as a finish. So, yeah, that's and then we had the angle that we've already talked about with the exploding barbed wire death match. Uh, overall, I thought this was a fantastic episode. I loved every second of it. It flew by. Sting took a bump. There was that crazy announcement at the end. The wrestling was fantastic. It's a three out of five show, folks, because. This is an average show for AEW. I know, right? Like, it's weird to say. You're, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, this, but like, they have got such a high standard of shows. And um, I mean, you're a filthy mark uh, for saying that they're having a great run of form uh, at the moment. <laughs> but I, I, I completely agree with you. I just thought this was. Like, I mean, I would give it a four out of five show because I just I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But yeah, you're right. Like for me, this is just. This is what AEW week-to-week TV is. Just consistently lovely, great two hours of wrestling. 
we've we're gonna go over regardless because we love AEW so much. Um, we're coming up to fifty-seven minutes now. Uh, so should should I try and get on Disco Inferno's podcast again? <laughs> what 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 could we say right now that someone could clip out and send well, to him? Someone, yeah, because like I think we got onto like Disco. So if you're not sure, if you're not uh, know what we're on about, I'm keeping it 100. Disco Inferno. I think they got a message across that you said that AEW was on like it's the best run of form of a of a, a, a British a, a wrestling product. And Disco and Conan's response to that was, "Who's Ollie Davis?" And um, they're just British marks, and they're a bunch of marks. And the people who watch it are a bunch of marks as well. And it is it was very much a case of like, well, they enjoy wrestling. What marks? Um, so I guess we need someone to like send them another email to say yeah. that we enjoyed the show again. So we can so they can call us marks again. I've uh yeah, I've, I've, first off, I agree with everything Conan just Conan said. Who am I? Damn. <laughs> And I am British. Exactly. Uh, so uh, someone clip this out and send it to them. <laughs> AEW is the best wrestling product ever. And what's what's something inflammatory that I can say? What's what does Conan Disco love? Inferno? Because <laughs> it's not Conan that's the problem. It's Disco no, Inferno. Right. Is the yeah, problem. yeah. I, I love I love Conan. So like Conan's great. Respect him so much. Um, but Disco yeah. Inferno, what would annoy him a lot? As a hot take, it's a hot. Oh man, are there any hot takes left about Disco Inferno outside of it wasn't very good though, was he? Um, so I don't know. I got. I mean, I, I kind of buried him on the Patreon podcast a little bit because I said that they tried to push him as a bit of a Steve Austin in TNA, being like everyone's got to have their Steve Austin moment. And I said, well, Disco Inferno doesn't get to have that because it's <laughs> Disco Inferno. Um, I think AEW's better than Disco Inferno. There, I said it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I agree. Crazy. Uh, before we get on to your Omega chats, remember to get them in at wrestletalk.com forward slash support. We'll read out every single one of them before the end of the show. It's Pledge Hammer shout out time. Go over to WrestleTalk's Patreon page because not only do you get your shout outs, you get loads of exclusive podcasts and stuff, you also get to compete against us in predictions, fantasy predictions, right. which includes Elimination Chamber this Sunday and, of course, Revolution coming up at the start of March. And as we said on yesterday's prediction stream, predictions are fun. And competing against us in predictions can only be even more fun. So head on over to wrestletalk.com forward slash Patreon. Get involved with Wrestle League. So fun. much fun. But thank you, Jonathan, the Headmaster Headman. There he is. Good guy. The Pim Particle, Terry Hankma. Hankma. Darn it, I messed that up. Probably better than Kyle, Philip O'Reilly. Not with yeah. that cell job, mate. <laughs> Jordan Williams, a.k.a. Ollie's intern. Thank you. This is some kind of Patreon shout-out. Nate drops surname. There it is. The Snapdragon King, Rio Odonte. Oh, I'm Batty Man, Nathan Batty. Sure you are, sir. Luke's favourite director, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> wow. He's a Patreon for us. Raul, <laughs> see you later. Laver. Yeah, see you later. Um, oh, no. Do you want to do this next one? Because I can never get it right. 
Viennes El Decimo Sororo, Jason Gutierrez. Oh, I like the pronunciation at the end there. I'll do the last two. Uh, living in the past, Kieran Pryor. And rounding things off for this Hall of Fame induction, always shining, Garrett Albright. Thank you all so much. Right, let's see, let's do the go home with our Omega Chats. NS Ogre, I am looking forward to seeing how they bring the exploding barbed wire match up to date. I am old though. Yeah, and that's what we were talking about, wasn't it? It's just like, how, how do you make it work in 2021 when people's tastes have drastically changed from the 80s and 90s? Chuck Cassis, greeting gents. As a 21-year-old guy who grew up with SmackDown versus Raw games where you could beat the holy hell out of people in hardcore matches... I love the idea for an exploding barbed wire deathmatch. Hopefully they don't get too hurt in real life, but it'll look badass. See, that's the difference there, Chuck. And this is why you are a better person than we are. Because at 21, when we would have seen a barbed wire deathmatch, our thoughts was, well, I hope they got hurt. Because like, if they got hurt, that means it was real. Whereas you're a caring person. Whereas you look at that and be like, well, I don't, I don't want them to hurt themselves. And that's the right attitude to take. It's society's fault, not ours. James Hanley. Careful, Ollie. I heard a legend that if you say New Jack's name three times in a row while on YouTube, that he appears and faces you in a scaffold match. Jeez, that's, that's the scary. worst nightmare possible. <laughs> Abortion Reborn. The Kenny skit was so veepish. Very good comparison. Uh, brilliant show. Knack even did a Gary for Kenny. Loved it. Uh, you're totally right. That is that is exactly what they were uh, sort of paying homage to. New Punk Rants. When Kingston hit Moxley at the end and Mox no-sold, I was reminded of the two Pikachus fighting in the Pokemon movie. <laughs> Exploding barbed wire deathmatch popped me. Sting getting powerbombed popped me. AEW is just the best. Hashtag bring back the juice. We're still going with this. Nice. Uh, Myron Speed says, I need to stop cutting onions in Hangman Page segments. I had some good friends. I had a good friend once who told me, uh, always keeping an extra set of papers rolled up in your jacket, that eventual Omega Page tart match is going to end me. I'm so invested in his character. Totally agree. Yeah. Yashavasi, uh, brilliant contrast how Hangman has friends come to rescue him, but the Bucks don't. It feels like a deliberate fold in the grand tapestry that is this story. That is such a great point. On the same, yeah, I totally didn't pick up on that, but you're absolutely mm, right. Beautiful. They did have Cutler, but um, yeah. It's Brandon Cutler. Josh Dodominics, <laughs> and he looks like me. Josh Dodominics, uh, just to clear up the mascot bit, earlier in the day, Matt Hardy tweeted, I'm aware, obviously referencing to now knowing of the contract switch and just playing dumb in the ring until Hangman agreed to change the match rules slightly and then jumped him. Ah, so it's something we missed on Twitter, I see. Okay. Cool. That's good. Well done. Then. That, that clears things up. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to tag in? Luke Red. I'll tag you over. I love the women's tournament match, but they immediately took the wind out of the sails by announcing that the rest of the first round matches are coming to YouTube on Monday. Put them on TV. Why should I take it seriously if they don't? Yeah, we totally agree. Uh, Leon Quashi, that D Brio match. I was a little disappointed with the rest of the first round being on YouTube, but if they are given the time and enthusiasm of that match, I don't mind at all. Deeb has been mag a magnificent capture for AEW. Perfect player coach. Mm. Yeah, Deeb's been really good, actually. He's been a bit of a role as of late. 
Um, Shall I hot tag again? Go for it. Uh, the Jam one, Ryan B. Jam. Ollie, pretty sure the ladder is a six-man, not a triple threat, with only Cody, Sky, and Penta being announced, which makes me hopeful the other people from other companies may be joining in. It'd be nice to see one like Ace Austin from Impact being in the match. It's a very good point. Yeah, really good idea. Um, good Dharma, three out of five. Three out of five. A big money Davis trying to raise his cut from TK. I just, you know, the... Paul, Paul slipped me some money at TakeOver. <laughs> Kevin said, remember when you said uh, someone has to tell Eddie Kingston that wrestling isn't real? <laughs> After recently discovering his tired of making stars promo on Elia Dragunov at Progress, I'm pretty sure someone tried to tell him <laughs> tell him that and he got beat up afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I believe yeah. that. Nate S, uh, I thought of the Del Preston story from Wayne's World 2 with Colt Cabana beating him with his own shoe. He had to beat him to death with his own shoe. Nasty <laughs> business, really. But still, Ozzy went on stage and did a great show. Um, that's a di- but that's a different story altogether. <laughs> um, Mr. Burt Wayne, Dark Order without Brody, uh, the modern day oddities. And that's a bit unfair. I think that's a bit unfair because they're lovable goofballs, whereas the oddities mm. were just, well, they're like South Park. I'll do these last two, and then you can do the other ones. Uh, new Punk Rands says, AEW is just great. I'm invested in everything they put out. I have a lot of new favorites, and the storytelling is phenomenal. That said, how much better would it be to see Hoover 2 Guerrero, three-time WCW Cruiserweight Champion? Love you guys. Uh, it would be great. And Abortion Reborn says, I don't care about copying WWE, but the, with the pool of inter-promo wrestlers, me wants an AEW Royal Rumble. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Rumbles are great, aren't they? They've got their Casino Battle Royale, which is an attempt at it. Uh, but yeah, I, it's too it's too much of a copy, unfortunately. It'd be like if they did an Elimination Chamber. Yeah. Um, shall I, I, I see, I'll take the... Do you want me to take these next couple and then you can do the last one? Um, Kyle Friedloin <laughs> says, Hey guys, I just want to give a shout out uh, to Surreal469, a YouTuber and good friend of mine. He just did a top five wrestling bromance video, which is great. Could you encourage people to check out his channel? He's a good guy, deserves a big break. Oh, very nice. Yeah, go over and check it out, folks. Uh, and but when he says Gorilla Press has officially booked AEW's Layla Hirsch versus Japanese, uh, Japan's marvelous pro wrestling's Masha Slamovich at Thunder Rosa's Mission Pro Wrestling on March 20th at, uh, at Title Match Network only. The old authority will fall. Just ask SP3. Zoni says, Isn't it funny that there are more persons for the Jamba announced than the pay per view? Um, and Ollie, every time you say three out of five, a little piece of my heart breaks. Uh, the Jamba has five people and the mystery opponent. Uh, I think what they're saying there is that there are more ma- there are more people in the chamber than there are announced for right. match matches, matches on the show. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we, we left it to the last minute. <laughs> we we booked it on the Wednesday. Uh, Jericho X Titan, thank you for making amazing content. And I've been a Patreon for several months because of it. Today is my birthday, and I've turned twenty two. Though having a birthday during COVID is odd. Happy birthday, Jericho. Happy birthday, mate. Uh, Caleb Maldonado. Hey, lads, quick. Uh, hey, lads, quick. Both of you do your best Blue Chew advert. Also, what if at WrestleMania we get Drew versus Kenny? I know unlikely, but never say never, right? All hail King Davis. Peen that peen. Can you go to Fightful.com for peen that peen? Yeah. If you want, if you want to peen your peen. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think we'll get Drew versus Kenny. 
in a month, in two months' time. <laughs> Maybe a future WrestleMania. Never say never on that. The Adnap 2, Disco Inferno couldn't get on the first Jericho cruise because he didn't have a passport, despite Jericho inviting him a year in advance. That should annoy him. Well, I think AEW's better than Disco Inferno's passport application. I agree. I think if he'd have put on his passport application that he likes AEW, he probably would have got a passport. And finally here, Mr. Burt Wayne has just gone in. Masha Slamovich had the Japanese tournament took place in the Ice Ribbon Dojo. She also said if you watch Japanese wrestling, you expect the production value. Have you uh, managed to catch up on last night's Quizzlemania? No. Well, I checked in on the charity raised amount. Congratulations. That is for over 4,000 GBP, Great British Pounds, raised for a very worthy cause, uh, NSPCC's Child Line Service, which is sort of like, you know, if young folk, and we mean really young, like, I guess, under 16, are feeling down or they feel bullied at school, then this is a service that they can ring up and just talk to someone to to work through those problems. So super, super good. And, you know, kind we kind of worked with WWE via the NSPCC proxy as part of their call-out bullying campaign. Yeah, we uh, we had a video message from uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster from NXT UK. And not only were they that Jed's yeah, talk about, you know, the NSPCC, they said Quizzlemania, and they even said Jam That Jam. And it was really fun to like watch the comments come through as the video was playing. So it was like, oh, okay, you know, this is quite stock. And as soon as they said jam that jam, I was like, oh, they said the thing. <laughs> Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster to Wrestle Talk confirmed. I, I mean, I, you know, spoiler, I saw that video a month ago when it was first sent to us. And it made me pop big. Uh, mm. And it made me pop even bigger when I realized it just wasn't Laurie saying it i just thought <laughs> no. laurie had said that word but it was mark andrews an excellent was, wrestler yeah. um but yeah so it raised four thousand pounds did you see what i did on the news i did i've literally just finished watching the news there i, I mean what i i, I was going to try and tee you up so you could uh make the the announcement here ah oh, well it's it's on behalf of all of us not just me of course it's everyone who works at wrestle talk uh we 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 put five grand as the as the sort of fundraising goal and we got just over four thousand pounds uh which is great to see thank you so much everyone who did donate so we thought let's do a nice thing and top it up to it to five grand put an extra grand in there uh i haven't done that yet it's on my mm -hmm. list of things to do and i wrote it in the news this morning i thought this is a lovely idea i'll do this and then of course i've got a million other things before I get round to that. And now it's public knowledge. And I'm a bit worried. <laughs> Someone's going to say, but you haven't. I, well, I, sorry, I watched your news episode and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to the Just Giving page and have a look. Mm. I was like, it's, it's not been done yet though, has it? Shall I do it now? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it now. But let's not drag this out anymore because you and I have got to do a show that usually goes over an hour. So that's, that's more of an hour that it's been live. It's another hour that the video has been live and it's been public mm. knowledge and we still haven't done it yet. So yeah, let's let's bite the bullet now and get it done. Uh, how do I donate? Look, it's as simple as this, folks. Everyone can, you, you can still go. Fundraising, 
justgiving.com. There's a link to it in the video, in the, video yeah. in the podcast description. So yeah, just give that a little click and you can go and donate as well. Okay, just it was a really in. fun show though. Our longest quizzle mania to date. Mm. But like not quiz wise, but like the hyper chats wise, because the quiz I think went about an hour 35 all told across the four rounds that we did. And then the video overall was three hours and 40 minutes because wow. Melina, bless her heart, stuck around for the entire stream and she answered every single question that came in. It was lovely, lovely to see. When the, when the quiz ended, we were on page 11 of 34 uh, questions that needed to be answered Whoa. and melina hung around and she answered every single one of them denise had to leave because she's you know got to do her show on wrestling observer and uh, andy had to leave because he's got to do the website mod mother jenna came in to kind of like back so we had uh, four people on the stream so she made her quizomania debut oh jenna that's great <laughs> which is really is really cool. nice yeah it was very, very cool. So we got okay. to, you know, to all share some lovely stories. Melina had some very lovely stories to tell about uh, WWE as well. And, uh, and you know, her time with Lucha Underground, her time working mm. with NWA. So, yeah, there was a lot of really interesting stuff to come out of here. Really, and I just, yeah. We also got to re-watch the, uh, the supercut of uh, we did when she came to the studio a couple yes. of years ago. And we all attempted to do the splits with her. I found the news video that it was in. Uh, and as, as we were doing the hype chats, downloaded it, cut it out yeah. in Premiere Pro and loaded it into the back end of StreamYard um, so that Melina could re-watch it again. I'm going to show it to Denise on tomorrow's podcast because she wanted to see it as well. So I'm just putting in my uh, taxpayer details. It is a bit more complex than I thought it would be. Um, <laughs> I, thought I'd, but... I thought I'd filled enough time for you there. Uh, like I, was, I, was, I felt like I had to stop talking at some point. The problem is, is it's not very conducive to businesses giving money it seems but you know let's not look a gift horse in the mouth do i use the american express business card to get some of the amex points mm, well, is mean, that okay <laughs> i mean i think it's probably fine right that's why you have an american express isn't it like my parents it's powered by american express like my parents for years have been telling me, you need to get an American Express card. Like, and like you know, running me through all the bonuses of the Amex points. I was like, Mum, nowhere takes it. Like every <laughs> time we've been to a restaurant and you've said you take American Express, they've always said, no, we don't. So I don't see the point <clears throat> in having one. Well, despite saying fairness, powered by American Express all over the site, it, uh, they, they don't take it. So, right, well, of course, uh... of course they don't take it because no one does. I'm about to say, in fairness, I wouldn't have an American credit I don't have a credit card like in at all. So, I suppose I mean my Monzo card. I think is technically to Mastercard. No, no, that's a debit card, isn't it? That's, that's not a credit. Thought, but it is. But it's called a Mastercard. Yeah, but Mastercard, I believe, can power debit cards. It's like a okay. payment system, right? Oh, I um, see. I don't know a yeah. lot about money. It's why my wife manages you... all of our uh, money accounts. <laughs> uh, uh, don't say your password out loud, Ollie, as I was just about to. <laughs> okay. Well, this we is, go. I'm sure, four riveting minutes. content. Four minutes before we go live, uh, Davis is rapidly trying mm -hmm. to get this done. Mm -hmm. Thought we could go through oh, some of the mailbag, uh, no. the emails that we've got, but the it's the pressure. And stuff, but... <laughs> it's the pressure. I can't enter a single number on first ask. Come on, log in. 
Log in. Log in. Are we nearly there? How's it going? People, this is this is an incredibly generous gesture, and podcast listeners are getting to hear it, um, like happen in real time. I can find the account. Confirm. Oh, I mean, I really should be checking this a lot closer. (laughs) I shouldn't just make transfers. I'm I'm a set. I'm I'm panicking as well. I'm panicking and I'm hitting I'm hitting buttons half assuming that's the right button. I did this recently uh, when I was did I tell you that I tried to buy something from Argos and I sent it to the wrong address which I still I still maintain was Argos's fault because yeah. I I so it's got an item right and you're like is this available at my local Argos? So I put in my postcode and it said yeah there's three in stock. I was like brilliant. Add to cart, go through to the payment thing. And because I was logged into my wife's Argos account, her default address was her parents' house. But I, oh, I, it, didn't, no. I, it didn't ask me what address do you want to send it to. It just automatically assumed. Because, but I was like, well, you asked me what the postcode was. So huh. surely, like, like this doesn't. None of this makes sense. So it got sent to my parents, like to my to my in laws' house. But I was like, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll just amend the order. Go through to the order. Can't amend it. It's like, it's like, okay, what you got to do is you got to go through the live chat. So I went to the live chat service, go through, enter all the details, and it was like, can I take your name? Luke Owen. Do, 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 do. Um, oh, the account's uh, in the name of Kate. I was like, yeah, that's my <laughs> wife. Like, oh, unfortunately, <laughs> we've got to talk to her. And I was like, well, she sat next to me. And like, I'm sorry, we can't, I've got to end the chat. And they just ended the chat because I wasn't, oh, damn. I wasn't Kate. So I just logged back into the chat and they said, what's your name? I said, Kate. And then just... And then, <laughs> And then and then through all of this, this is about an hour. And at the end of it, they're like, sorry, you can't amend the address. I was like, well, why the hell does your FAQ say that you can? And I've got to do it through the live chat. And they just ended the chat. And that was it. Terrible service. I, from it's not my in-laws. I like how you uh, were shocked and said, how could this happen? While talking about a website automatically assuming to use the default address for shipping. Yeah, right? <laughs> It's made. The, the, the donation is made. I think. Well I'm pretty sure. What's probably happened is I've is I've probably just personally donated, and I'm massively in the red now. Uh, nope. F- there it is. One hundred and one percent. The Just Giving page has been updated. Five thousand ninety-four pounds. Yes. There it is. Restock and PFK two minutes ago. One thousand pounds plus two hundred and fifty quid gift aid. Look at you, generous. Oh my god. Okay, well, it's happened. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. I thought gift aid, it said gift aid at no extra. Isn't well, that maybe, just... Maybe they give the gift aid. Gift aid is like stuff they can claim back from tax. Right, okay. Look, look, I'm not a... <laughs> it's fine. It's for charity. I'm not stressed out about this. I'm not stressed that I've accidentally potentially given more money to a charity. That's good, right? It is good, yeah. It just means that, unfortunately, Tempest won't get a bonus. And that's that's fine. These are the sacrifices that we have that's to make. That's on Tempest, though, isn't it? <laughs> it really When you think about it, it is his fault. Um, right, anyway, that is all we've got time for on this uh, edition of the podcast. <gasps> <I'm>... <gasps> have you just seen what Editor Rich has put in the chat? The first oh, edit of Pete's Ass Man <gasps> music video. Oh, no! Oh, oh, what a tease! Oh, 
That is a tease to subscribe to Wrestle Talk. It'll go in Pete's news on Saturday. God damn. But I want to watch it now. I've got to do a live show. show. Well, I'm back tomorrow uh, with Denise doing the Friday show, which I'm always very, very excited for. And then Pete and Randy will be here on the Saturday podcast doing SmackDown. Thank you all so much for listening. Take it. Oh, and then it's Elimination Chamber this Sunday. Check it out over (laughs) on Rust Talk. Uh, Thanks for listening. Take care, everyone. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.